No, I'm not. I'm going to start in 2 Peter chapter 2, and then I'm going to go to the... No, I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Here we go. I'll get with you. Um, I'm getting back focused on making disciples. Um, starting off in chapter 1, <coughs> it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it's talking to people who are, who are born-again believers that you've received not not a, the word obtained doesn't mean that you've done something to cause God to save you but that you've received that faith that you've received the righteousness that God's provided in Jesus verse 2 grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been give, or which has been given to us, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So I want to, uh, I've been studying through the book of Acts, and, and basically I'll give you a real quick gist of what caused me to study that. When I look at the early church, when I look at church history, and then I look at where we are at churches today, I ask God, Lord, what is the difference? What have we lost, and how come we don't see power in the church today, how come we don't see multitudes being saved? How come we don't see God's Spirit moving in the way that you see? And I'm not talking about signs and wonders. I'm talking about people being saved, lives being changed, more marriages that are good than marriages that are falling apart. You know, a, a, a nation rather than falling apart to the wickedness that it's falling apart to, that you see righteousness prevailing in this nation. And so I'm like, Lord, what is it that has happened along the way? And I think that we have been sold and a lot of people have bought into a way, that not that there's two gospel, but a way lesser uh, version of the gospel, what it means to be a Christian. You know, we, we, we have bought into... You know, praying the prayer and, and uh, you know, that that your life, as long as you go to church every once in a while, we sell heaven big time. It's not about, you know, Jesus, following Jesus, none of that stuff. It's just, you know, you want to go to heaven. Well, who doesn't want to go to heaven? I mean, honestly, if you think about it, who would it say? Anybody here wants to go to hell? I mean, I don't think we're going to have no takers. And, and so over the years, over the years, we've been sold a lot of that, and we have so watered down the gospel that when the world looks at Christians, they go, "What's the big deal? Just religious people," and and for a lot of the a lot of uh, truth, there's a lot of just religious people in the church. Doesn't mean that they're Christians. Doesn't mean that they're born again. Doesn't mean that the power of God's in their life or anything that matches the Bible. Just means they came to church, you know, 
religious, go through some motions, but as far as what the Bible teaches of being born again and your life being changed and you you desiring the things of the Bible, I, I'm going to have to say I'm gonna, I, there's, it's going to be a shocker. I think it's going to be a shocker on the day of judgment for a lot of people who went to church a lot of times and they end up in hell. And I, that's a devastating truth, and it devastates me. So that's why I'm, I'm chasing to go, all right, if we're, if we're missing something, then let's find it. Because my greatest desire is for everybody to know the Lord and to have life and to go to heaven when you die, all right? So let's look at this. Stick with me. Um, in the beginning, God said the Bible in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and earth. You know that he created everything that was in them. Uh, he simply spoke into existence. Uh, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the firmament, divided the waters. And I saw something different this week. You know, I, I was writing my notes. I wrote, God simply spoken, and it was. But not necessarily true. Just to give you something to chase. He actually said, let the waters bring forth the creatures and the life that it's in it. And it brought forth abundantly. And then he said, let the earth bring forth. That means to deliver out of. Let the earth bring forth every living creature and the beast of the field and the cattle and all these things. And it, and it was so. And so I thought, man, if you would have been there watching creation, it was a, it's a beautiful picture of what the resurrection is going to be like. It's like God created the earth and the earth is basically his science lab. And that when he spoke, he just raised up out of the dust and brought to life every living creature, all the trees, all the grass. I mean, can you imagine sitting there watching me like, wow, well, one of these days, if you're a born again believer, we're going to get to watch that again as he raises every believer who's ever believed. And passed on, raises us out of the dust and brings us to life in his image and his glory. Going to be awesome. But here's the thing that's different about on creation was mankind, Adam, was very different. Because he was the only one that said that God formed him. He actually put his hands on the dust and formed a body for Adam. And it says, and he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. Why is that? Genesis one twenty six, and I'm going to go pretty quick through this first part. Genesis one twenty six. let me find my spot, says this. Uh, bam. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Here's the word I want you to focus on. According to our likeness. God's plan and design from the very beginning was to create man in his image and after his likeness. That means that man was created to be like God in character, in nature, uh, in intelligence, uh, as far as being an eternal living being. God intended for us to be in his likeness. As a son is like his father, you know, that's born to a father, as a, as a daughter is like... Uh, the mother God intended on mankind. And then, you know the story? Man chose to believe uh, the devil. He chose to believe a lie. And when man fell and chose to sin, he forfeited that. That entire deal. We, we, we still want to say we're created in God's image. We look very different from what God intended for us to look. Because what his sin has done, when man sinned, he forfeited. He lost not only his soul, but dominion, power, glory, character, and he took on the nature of Satan himself. A person who doesn't know Christ, whose God's spirit has not raised to life, is a reflection of, I hate to say this, hopefully it doesn't apply to anybody here, but Jesus said himself, you are of your father the devil. We reflect the image of the devil. The nature of sin and darkness is upon us 
One of the things that that uh, we were sitting there Wednesday night, and Little Randall was teaching out of Ephesians chapter five, and uh, and it says. Uh, you are the children of light. You were darkness. It didn't say you were the children of darkness. It actually says first time I seen it. And Jake said, "Look at that." It says you were darkness. And so, apart from Christ, we are darkness. We're a reflection. The sin nature in us is a reflection of who the devil is and how his character is and what his nature is. And so, think about this: a lost person is nothing in comparison to what God created us to be. And so in that, through salvation, we're born again because Christ came. He wanted us. He continues. This is what I want to make a point. He continues. His whole purpose is to recreate you in his likeness, to be like Jesus. That's what a Christian is. If you want to say, how can I know 100% sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die, that I have been saved, I would say, do you have a desire and are you becoming like Jesus? There's a lot, I think there's a lot of people in church that go, well, I, you know, not necessarily want to be like Jesus, you know, holy and that kind of stuff. I just want to go to heaven. Then you're not born again, period. You're not born again. If there is no desire in you to be like Jesus, and I'm going to prove this through the scripture, then you're not a true believer. And if you recognize that today, then you have a decision to make. But when you're born again, think about this. The Bible specifically teaches the spirit of God enters you. That's why you are saved. He raises us to life. He gives you life that that sin robbed away. But along with that, along with that comes a spiritual appetite that is in every believer. Not elite believers, not the churchy people, but every born-again believer. God's Spirit gives you a hunger or a spiritual appetite. And that appetite, some of you sitting here this morning and maybe you hear a groaning inside of you. I'm not talking about the groaning of the Spirit. I'm talking about a groaning like... You know, usually I preach so long that, oh, I thought he's laughing. I was like, wow. <laughs> but but usually um, at the end of service, I go so long and then we get to talking. Usually I have people when they're up here praying with me, all they probably hear me groan. Just, you know, and I'm, and it, what it is, it's my body going, feed me. I am, I need something. Well, you know, the Bible specifically teaches, you can look at it later in Romans chapter 8. The entire chapter of Romans is talking about what the Spirit does inside of us. It also talks about what God's doing and the context of that scripture is our resurrection where we will be raised in His likeness. And so prior to that, it says the Spirit itself groans within us for the adoption or for the perfection of the sons of God. And what it's talking about there, you study it for yourself, but what it's talking about there is it's like a spiritual appetite that's in a believer going, I want you to be like Jesus. And our spirit with that goes, I want to be like Jesus. Every believer, that's what heaven is. I thought about this week. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? We always want to man, streets of gold, and, 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 and I, you know, I realize that stuff's going to be there, but here's what I believe at this point. I can change if I want to. But I was talking to my wife about it yesterday. I said, you know, if you look at the pictures of the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt and they were brought to the promised land, once they conquered the land, it was given to them as an inheritance. Now, the word inheritance is all in the New Testament, too. It says we have an inheritance in Christ. Okay? Heaven is not going to be, we're not going to live up in the sky, in the clouds. Heaven is, study for yourself, new heaven, new earth. We're going to dwell on a new earth. Old earth is purged, burnt, consumed. Okay? New heaven, new earth, Christ on this earth. We will all be on the new earth for all eternity. That's heaven. If y'all want to argue that, love to, okay? Not now. 
But anyhow, you're not going to be floating around playing a boring harp and, and listening to, you know, people. We're not just going to stand around the throne all the time. There will be a time where we're around the throne of God worshiping praise. It's going to be incredible. But it's possible. Okay, this is just my theory. It's possible that your inheritance as a believer, same as the children of Israel, they got a portion of the land that was designated to them and their families. What do you think we're going to do for all eternity? I, I think we're going, to, we're going to farm and grow. And, and wouldn't it be awesome if God's all right, here's your inheritance. You get this section because the sea's no longer going to be. Revelation teaches all this. So you're going to have an earth that's just got plenty of room, plenty of room for everybody who's ever been saved. You know, the way it's looking, about 19 people. No, I'm just kidding. But wouldn't it be awesome? He kind of had a whole new thought process. I mean, like, the Lord's like, here's your inheritance. I'm going to give you a section of land and your family and your church family and everybody, you know, to where, wouldn't it be awesome? Everybody's like Jesus. That way, you know, here I am walking down the road, got my rod and reel going fishing. I think I'm going to do that. You think what you want. And I walk by and I see somebody. I'm like, hey, Cody Nichols, you made it, buddy. All right. And, and so, uh, but what would it be like him be out there for him? Like, hey, come on up on a porch and visit. And we're drinking a glass of, so I'm talking about sweet tea that doesn't hurt you whatsoever. And here's the, here's the thing I think. There's, there's no, I don't wonder what he thinks. I don't wonder if he's going to backbite or he doesn't wonder that about me. If I'm going to backbite about him, everything's open, honest, pure. Can you imagine that? You, what you see and what you hear is what you get. No darkness, no nothing. Everything's just light, perfect relationship. That's who Jesus was. You know, I ain't going to be, hey, Cody, how's it going? Shut up, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to Facebook about you. That, and I just thought about that more and more. I thought, man, heaven's going to be absolutely incredible. You know, I want to be like, this is my inheritance. This is my fence. You stay on your side. No, it won't, won't be that. But I, I just, when I think about that, but here's the thing. God's moving. God's forming. God's molding his people for that eternity. That we would be like him. There is the spirit that groans in us that causes us a desire to be like him. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is speaking there. And he said that as a disciple, our desire and our purpose is to be like our master. Hopefully we're disciples of Jesus. And so the ultimate goal for God's plan is for us to be created, recreated, basically in his, in his likeness. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that he's conforming us to the image of the Son. Romans 6, 5 says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know what First John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Now we are. At this moment in time, now are we the children of God. And we do not know yet what we will be like, but we know that when he appears, we will be what? Like him. And so God's whole purpose, say, what is God's purpose for a Christian? Well, it's for us to go to church and it's for us to, you know, stop this and start that. That's not his purpose. His purpose is to do what he did in, in, in the beginning with Adam that sin totally robbed of. And when he removes away sin... We will be just like Jesus. We will be just like Jesus. And that, that desire should be working and cultivating in us. And the purpose of God's Spirit, listen to me. This whole, this whole thought process of, and, and I'm all, I, God meets us where we are. I'm by no means promote any kind of stupid self-righteousness or religious junk or none of that. I know we all fall. We all sin. I, I, you know, I'm guilty of any, everything that you can imagine. But, but here's where you've been robbed. The gospel works in power in two parts. 
It works to save us, to redeem us. You're, you're clean, you're whole, you have a new position. Your sins are cleansed, they're gone. We just read that, your old sins, they're gone. You're, you're, you stand in a position of righteousness because of what Jesus has done. He views you as holy. You are justified, justified never seeing innocent in the presence of God. That is your eternal, unchanging position because of what Christ has accomplished for you. Here's where you've been lied to. That means that the Holy Spirit is a blanket. And what he does, he just hides everything from God so you can live it up in sin and grace covers it. I'm like, what? So you're telling me the very thing that destroys us, God covers it up so that we can be a part of it and he's good with it? We need to see sin for what it is. Man, sin wrecks people's lives. It destroys us and it robs us of the true things that we would seek if we wasn't believing that this is what's given us what we wanted. Grace empowers us to live holy. That's not a popular word because all of a sudden we think about walking around in a priest suit or a white robe and that's not what holy is. Holy is power is what holy is in your lives. Holy is incredible in your marriage. Holy is power in the church. And holy is what most of us are not. Because I think what we've done is we've said her to go, you know what, this... You know, I'm 100% on, you know, Jesus meets. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, you don't know what I've done. I'm sitting here this morning. I just left a bank that I robbed. The money's in there. I shot somebody, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Jesus will meet you where you are. And in the trunk with a dead body full of money, Jesus will meet you right there, and he can save you right there. I'm not just making a joke. But he doesn't save you. You can go, okay, now go spend the money and ditch the body. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> that's crazy. That's a crazy thought. And that's why I say there's a lot of people who bought into a lie. And, and I want to say this. They think that, well, I said a prayer. And I read it this week and I love it. I actually seen something good on Facebook. A, a, a pastor sent out a, a deal that said, Jesus is not a prayer you lead somebody in. He's a person you lead somebody to. I'm like, just because you say some prayer doesn't mean that you're a born-again believer. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Okay, I know that some of you don't like that, but just read the Bible yourself, okay? But think about this. Here's my question for you. If this is God's desire, and that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does in us, and He's doing that the entire time that I'm breathing my breath of life, and He will, the Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, He that hath begun a good work in me, what does that work? To make me like Jesus, He will, com- he will perform it or complete it until the day of His return, where I will be just like Jesus. So here's my question for you. Do you want to be like Jesus? Now, now, before you say this, think about this. Because I asked myself that question. So like, you know, this is kind of a new thought for me this week. I've been studying the Bible 20 years, and it's a new thought. Do I want to be like Jesus? You know, because here's the thing. There's a difference between wanting to please somebody. There's a difference between wanting to appease somebody. You know, I wanted to appease some of my high school teachers. Did I want to be like them? No. Right? Let's be honest. I wanted, I wanted to be, there's sometimes when I was a teenager, I wanted to please my parents. Did I want to be like them? Not at that point. Right? And so there's a difference between admiring another but not desiring to be like. I can admire people go, man, I admire them. But you want to be like them? No, I don't. So there's people who say, I admire Jesus and I want to appease God. 
and I want to be pleasing to God, and I want to serve God, and I want to honor God, and that's why we do all these things. I'm going to pray, God, you see me praying, you hear me praying, you see me reading my Bible, Lord, you see me at church, you see all these things, but do you want to be like Jesus? Well, you know, I don't know about that, because some of the things, and, and here's the thing, I just want to, I want to throw up a red flag, if you just want to go, I don't necessarily want to be like Jesus, lost people don't. People who don't have the Spirit of God inside of us, nobody wants to be like Jesus if God's Spirit's not in us. Period. That's how you can look and go, okay, if I'm being honest, I don't got to announce it out loud, but if you look in your heart and so go, be honest with yourself. I really don't want to be like Jesus. I just want to go to heaven. Then you're lost. You're lost. You don't know the Lord at all. I'm not judging or condemning. I'm, I'm trying to bring a truth to reality so you can go, you know what, maybe I need to be saved. Maybe I need to, to have biblical, scriptural salvation so that God's spirit inside of me will cause me to go, you know what, I do. I do want to be like Jesus. I'm not at this point, but I can say this. I have the desire, and he sure is working on me. Amen? Okay, so stay with me. There, when I was a kid, there was somebody that I wanted to be like. You know what I did? I watched them. I studied them. I was around them. I mimicked them. I had great thoughts of them. I talked about them. I tried to, to, to be around them. That's what you do. And it's not necessarily, you might not have necessarily one person, but if you have people that you look at, maybe it's a sports player, or maybe it's, you know, what we call them is idols. Because it's almost, if you're not careful, it's almost worship. You know really why we worship God? Because we adore Him and we want to be like Him. That's why the Bible says, and we are changed from glory to glory. As we behold Him. Worship is beholding God going, man, I want... Some of y'all, let's be honest, when you watch people on TV, you're like, man, I would love to be like that person. You know, I would love to not be fat and bald. I love, there's some people I've seen, like, man, I'd love to have a dude's hair. Right? Let's just be honest. Don't act like you don't do that. You do that. You, you sure do that because you buy the same clothes they wear. That's why advertising works so great. That's why they have certain people, models or, or you know, when, when, when Michael Waddell walks out with a, with a new kind of bow, guess what? I, I, I think Michael Waddell's awesome. I'm going to go buy one of them bows. Why? Because I want to be like him. Right? Some of y'all don't even know who I'm talking about. Get a life. All right? Turn on the outdoor channel. <clears throat> but you know what I'm talking about. It's not just the product he sells. You understand what I'm saying? It's the person that you desire to be like. So, if you don't have that desire, the rest of this message is null and void. You can get them to go to the house, okay? Here's the thing. That's, that's what... I'm going to flip back real quick. I'm almost done. Flip back real quick. Second Peter. We'll finish up almost. We're going to hit Acts real quick. Second Peter. Chapter 1. Notice what it says. Um, it starts off and says, God's given us three things. I'm not, I'm not going to read it again. I'm just going to tell you for time's sake. Number one, it says, God's given us salvation. God's given us the faith. Those who have obtained like precious faith. The faith is we've been forgiven. You've been made a new person. You've got a new position. And you have a new life of opportunities. Second thing is he's given us is the Holy Spirit. The divine power and all things that pertain to life and God. This means through the Holy Spirit, he can accomplish everything for me to have life and live godly and be a reflection of Jesus in the walk in his life. The third thing he's given me is exceeding great and precious promises. And it says, through faith in these and obedience, we can become like him. We can be partakers of the divine nature. 
Okay, so that tells me God's done his part. He's given me everything that I need to accomplish what his goal is for my life and so that it can be good for me. Think about this. I don't know about the whole Jesus thing. Uh, Okay, this is how it works in a Christian family. If you have a wife, if you have a wife that goes... I'm a born-again believer. The Holy Spirit's working inside of me. He's, he's molding me, and I have a desire to be like Jesus because he is the Lord. He's my hero. He's my, you know, he is my idol. He's, a, he's who I worship. I want to be like Jesus, right? That's your wife if she's a born-again believer. Little Randall taught us on, on Wednesday night, Ephesians chapter 5, said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So what is a Christian husband? He's like Jesus. All of a sudden, the wife's like, she likes Jesus, she likes you. She's at peace with Jesus, she's at peace with you. She's impressed by Jesus, she's impressed with you. And God molds your lives together and it's good. The church should be a gathering of people who all want to be just like Jesus. None of us can attain that in this life. But you know what? You put a whole bunch of us together. Where you're weak, I'm strong. Where I'm weak, you're strong. And the world sees Jesus in the church because we, as a group, should be in his likeness. That's why we're called a body. So there's a lot of good things in that. So in my heart, I'm like, I do. I really do want to be just like Jesus. And i got a whole lot of work he's going to have to do. <clears throat> but he's done his part. Now, here's, here's your part. It says that he's... Let me, get, let me turn my page. I'm getting a hurry because I hear y'all groaning. Um, <laughs> he, 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 look in... in, in uh, it says uh, right here in verse 5. This is why I had to cover all this, but also for this very reason. What reason? The reason that you want to be like Jesus. He's done his part. He's giving you those three things. Then here's what you should give. Giving all diligence. You see, we have a part. You know how God accomplishes his work? Divine power, human effort. Divine power, human effort. Faith connects the two. So by faith, in the promises that God's made, we won't go over all those this morning, I'm going to give diligence to be obedient, to pursue, and to trust God. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to add, I have faith. Listen to me, doing these things doesn't produce faith. It doesn't produce salvation. It doesn't make you a Christian. Doing these things are additives, supplements to your diet. And so you add to your faith virtue, and, that, and that's as far as I'm going to go this morning. Say, good, we're done, not yet. Virtue is this, moral excellence. Look it up for yourself, the Greek definition, moral excellence. Actually, the word in the Greek, in the culture, they would say, it means to fulfill that which you were put here for. I have, I, I have... You know, a crew. I have two young men that help me. That's not my boys. I consider them my boys, but they're not blood boys yet. Okay, Randy and Mark. I gave them a job, a purpose. It wasn't to give them a job. It wasn't so that I could have somebody else to write a check to. It was to fill the purpose of I need you to help me accomplish what we're doing. They have virtue. They do an excellent job. I guess it's gonna this week I'll probably pay for that. But but here's the reason why. They would be considered virtuous employees. Why? They give excellence. They do. And for y'all y'all people who need help, don't go try robbing on my crew, all right? They do an excellent job, an excellent attitude. They give their best. That's what moral excellence is. It doesn't mean, okay, I give you a job and I'm a, I'm gonna let y'all hide out behind the house 
so that you can do whatever you want to and I'll give you a check. But that's what we've made Christianity. I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to hide your sin so that you can go to heaven. Does that make any sense? If I was to walk out and they were hiding behind the house, they can tell you what would happen. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting at that point. But here's the thing. Virtue in your life and in the church, real quick, finishing up, Acts chapter 5, almost done, 10 minutes at the most. This is what I saw. This is, where, where is the power of the church gone? This is where it's gone. When you think about purity, moral excellence means purity in my life. It doesn't mean making room for sin. It means I want to put it out. Repentance is not, oh, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is, God, I am sorry, and I'm going to make a change. Look it up yourself. A change of mind leads to a change of life. I don't want this sin in my life, and I'm going to make changes so that that I'm not halfway serving the Lord or getting by, you know, in the way that I live. I want to be excellent in what I do. I don't want to, I mean, if you're one of those people, you're like, I have a job. I, James Mang was here this morning, and I, I talked to him yesterday, and, and I don't, I don't uh, comment a lot on Facebook, and I don't look at Facebook a lot, but James is one of my friends, is that what you call it, on Facebook? So every once in a while, he'll post a picture of his tax or his tax number, excellent. It's excellent. I look at it and I'm like, man, it's awesome. And I told him yesterday, it's excellent. But you know what? What if James went there half hearted, like, well, whatever, and, and he put some animal in there, you know, I've seen some, you know, dead on a mount. And I think there's a lot of Christians that, and here's the thing his work that he does excellent doesn't make him a taxidermist, he's a taxidermist. He chooses whether or not he gives excellence. I think he does that because he enjoys and loves it. I think that as Christians, we should enjoy and love the Lord. And the life that he's given us so that I desire to give excellence. Are you all with me this morning? Don't lose me in the last five minutes, okay? Last eight minutes, all right here. Twenty minutes and we'll be gone. Stay with me. No, I'm kidding. I'll just stay with me. So here's, here's I want you to see this. Real quick, I'm going to have to bust through this. Acts chapter 5, you remember the story? Ananias and Sapphira, wife, cheated God, you know, lied about what they did. You read the story later on, God strikes them dead. Boom, boom, husband and wife, buried them, sent them out. You're like, wow. Why is that? Because here's why. Notice right after that in verse 12 it says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all in one accord on Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest, that's talking about unbelievers, dared join them. Notice what it says here, but the people. We're talking about people outside of the church esteemed them highly. You think the church in America is esteemed highly by those on the outside? It's a stinking joke. It's a joke to the people who are on the outside. You go, why is it? What was the difference here? So notice this. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. When's the last time we saw that? Multitudes of people turning to the Lord. These are the things I'm talking about. We're not seeing. When, when, you, when you talk to politicians, you mention, I'm a Christian, I'm a church. Like, whatever. You know why? Because Satan right here was trying to bring impurity into the church. Not only through teaching, but through moral living. Immoral living. Because he knows if I can make the church unclean and impure, I will rob it of its power. If I can, listen to me, let's put this on a person. If I can make a marriage unclean and impure, I will rob it of its glory. If I can make a believer impure, I will rob him of everything that Christ has for him. That's what he's doing. And this is what I, I don't just believe, this is a fact. 
what he set out to do that he didn't accomplish in the early church, he has accomplished in the modern. So where's the power gone? It went down the toilet with the purity. That's where it went. Because here's the thing. I read a deal this week, a quote from John MacArthur. He said, God bless America. Some of you probably seen it on God bless America. How can we say God bless America? How can we ask God to bless America? What would it say of God's holiness if he blessed America? Right? And so when we look at our own lives, we have, you know, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. Yet we live in such a way that we don't look any different from the rest of the world. And we make light of sin. And we don't just make light of it. We just pile it. I'm talking to me, people. Pile it in. You know, I had a few things that I put out of my life, but these are just things I either I don't want to fool with or I don't want to acknowledge or I don't want to deal with or I just enjoy. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, God, how come when I preach, people aren't saved? How come when I pray, you're not hearing? Because there is no power in prayer when there is no purity in the prayer. Man, y'all getting this? It's good stuff. That's just right off the top. Good stuff. Man, I love it when the Lord is speaking to me while I'm preaching. Let's give an invitation. I need to respond. Anyhow, now let's finish up right here. Look at this right here. Verse 15, it says, So that they brought the sick, notice this, out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. I'm finishing up. That at the least, notice this, the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people. And those, notice what this says here, who were tormented by unclean spirits. What's going on in D.C.? This is what's going on. And they were all healed. Say, how were they healed? Just get this picture and we're done right here. People are hearing what's going on in the church. Unbelievers. Insomuch that multitudes are gathering together. Oh, this is good. Peter, the common one who's, we know he denied Jesus. We know he was a foul-mouthed fisherman at times. We know that they were flip-floppy and everything else. But at this point, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was doing a work in him. What was he doing? Don't miss, the, don't miss what it says, okay? He's walking along. Why are these people coming? Because they're doing like they did, just like Jesus. Or don't miss that point. So that the shadow of, what's that, what does that mean, the shadow? The image of. What was going on when Peter was walking by? It wasn't Peter. It was the power of the image of Christ in him. They weren't coming because they heard Peter was great. They were coming because they heard Jesus was still alive doing the same things that he had done prior to his crucifixion. And the resurrection of his likeness is now in his people. Whoo, man. That right there preached for hours. I won't keep but I just want to go, please study this out. Where is the power of the church going? I, well, it'd be nice if that would happen today. Sure would. Is that possible? Sure is. You call me an idiot, okay? Call me what you want to, but you better do your research on some of these third world churches that doesn't have Babylon surrounding them every day. God's still God. He still does what he does. He still saves. He's willing to save multitudes. He's willing to transform lives. He's willing, willing to raise up the dead. So physically, if he wants to, but I'm talking about also spiritually. And if you're here today and you go, I've been in church all my life and I ain't seen that, maybe you need to take a deep look at yourself and say, do I really know Jesus? Do I want to be like Jesus? And am I putting these things out of my life so that I can experience the power of Christ in my life? Because he doesn't change. If there's a hang-up, it ain't because God hung up. And we've got to come back to the place to acknowledge that. 
It'd be an amazing thing. And I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I told my wife, I said, I think our church is on track. Because here's the sad thing, and this is true. When you become a believer or a church that goes, we, we believe the Bible, number one, and we want to be holy. We really want to be like Jesus. Not just to love people and go to homeless shelters, but I, you know, when I'm at home with my family, I don't want to watch filth on TV. I want to promote, the, I want to teach my kids, actually teach my kids the Bible. I want to have God's Word hidden in my heart, not so that I can be a teacher or so people can respect me, so that I can just try to live by it, because I believe it. I want to stand for righteousness. I don't want to make light of the sin in my life. Go, man, just get over it. That's just the way it is. That ain't the way it is. Because if that's the way it is, I just quenched God's Spirit in me, and He's done showing anything to me. You understand that? The reason that you saw that happen through Peter, because you see the unhindered work of God's Spirit in his life. And the thing that hinders is when we just let sin go. Man, that's where repentance comes in. That's the part of salvation and the part of the walk as a believer that you don't hear a whole lot about anymore. Repentance means that, that, that I need a change in my life and I'm going to put some things out and I'm going to forsake some things and I'm going to acknowledge I will, that, that if I do love Him and I'm impressed by Him, I want to be like Him. So you look at your own heart this morning. Where are you at with the Lord? Are you a born-again believer? Are you a churchgoer? Are you a religious person? Do you look at your life and go, I try so hard, but it's just so hard. It's so, I don't, you know, it's just, and it's all you. And you don't see anything of what God's doing. Man, I'd be scared to death if I was in that place. I would be. I was in that place. How do you know you're a Christian? I, 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 I. What about he? Is he alive? You see him in you? You see him working in you? You see him working in your family? You see the power of God in your life because you're living by faith in the Word going, Wow, this is real. It happens. God does transform. Finishing right here. 30 seconds. Talking to a couple right now. Strong believers. On the verge of divorce. Fixing to totally destroy their family. Out of a hard will, hard heart decisions that some of them are making. And I look at that and go, Come on, man. Are you serious? You love Jesus, and yet you make your own decisions? There's a lot of believers who go, I know Jesus, but you make your own decisions that leads to your own destruction. You know what it would take to fix this marriage? I, I talked to both of them and said, man, this is a really simple fix because it's not. It's just little things. It's just the little things. It's just a simple fix. You know what? If you'll take on the character of Jesus, you humble yourself, admit that you're wrong, tell each other you love. That you're going to persevere. Add perseverance to your life. Add love to your life. Add virtue to your family. You know what will happen? It'll, it'll work great. It'll work great. That's what will happen. God restores. God renews. And I sit right there and I said, how in the world could you ever witness to anybody? You say, it's too far gone. This is why the, it's too far gone. It can't be fixed. You don't understand. I said, no, 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 no. No, I perfectly understand. I took my marriage to that place. I took it to the depths of hell. I destroyed it. And while I made my bed in hell, I heard his voice. And the Lord raised me up and he raised up my wife. And I would say, if he can fix me, the Lord can fix anybody. I'll preach that to the day that I'm with him. He can restore anybody, any life from anything. But it takes you to desire to be like him. So you stand with your head bowing your eyes closed. Have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, God. And I love your word. I love the hope that it gives us. It's not about 
anything we have to offer, but God, that you've given us everything. You provided everything that needed to be provided so that we can have life. God, don't let people miss it today so that we can have life. Not so that we can be religious, but God, so we can be alive and have glorious hope and joy and power and peace and love and unity.